Hello, we are Becky and Gabby, your micropolitan matchmakers, coming at you every Thursday to help you find big love in your small town. Each week, we'll cover everything from dating advice, dating love stories, and horror stories, interviews with other dating experts, and much more, all from the lens of dating in a small to medium-sized micropolitan region. Oh, hey! Happy Thursday! (laughs) Happy Thursday! Almost Friday! Thank God! Thank goodness. And we have a week. We have a weekend this week locally. And for those who are listening in real time, Micropolitan Matchmakers, we have events on Thursday, Friday, and Sunday this week. We are Yeah, it is going to be a busy weekend. But I have a feeling that some good dates are going to come from it. So maybe even for us. <gasps> maybe for us. I love it. <laughs> going on a date tomorrow night. What about you, Becky? I I love how you ask that. And for those listening um, and who can't see Gabby's face, Gabby knows the answer to that question. And yes, I am going on a date this weekend. (laughs) Yes, so hopefully next week, next Thursday, we'll have some updates on that. Perhaps. Fun. I love that. Perhaps. Actually, yeah, I think it's about time. Maybe we skip a guest for a week. I think it's about time we have like a, a storytelling hour of micropolitan matchmakers let's let's dig in so that's to come next week we have we have a different topic for this week but first daddy has a heart take yes i do and i think this is going to be a good heart take because i think that many of you who have listened to this podcast and who have been following micropolitan matchmakers you might have had the same question or the same thought but this guy that i was talking to recently um, romantically, you know, talking to him, um, he said, you know, I don't really want you to be offended or take this the wrong way, but how can you and Becky do what you do when both of you guys are single? Like how, basically asking, like, why are you credible voices in this subject matter when both of you are single, never been married, you know, never been engaged? Like we haven't got great question point yet, which is a great, great question. Of course, I wasn't offended or anything. But the first thing that came to mind, the first analogy that I used was, does a brain surgeon do surgery on his own brain? If he needs, <laughs> if he needs brain surgery. But you know what I'm saying? Like, just because you and I aren't in long term romantic relationships at the moment, doesn't mean we're any less qualified to give advice or to help other people's to help other people meet their match. I think I speak for both of us when I say, you know, both of us could be in a relationship right now if we wanted to. We just have these standards and, you know, we're looking for this particular thing in our lives that not everybody can offer to us. And that doesn't make us less able to make really amazing matches, which we have done many a time. Um, or give dating advice or, you know, you, Becky, as a dating coach, do you, do you want to chime in on? on Yeah. It's very interesting because I will tell you that when I made the decision to end the relationship that I was in for about a year, I was kind of worried about that. Like, oh, does this ruin my credibility as a dating coach? But really, I think it only enhances it to the exact point that you just made. I think we are people who know what we want 
who aren't fixated on certain qualities, but we know the general type of relationship, the values we want in another person, the communication styles that we're looking for, and we're not going to settle on those things. And I, I really think too, you know, as I shared that story about the, the breakup and, and those decisions, so many people were thankful for it, for being an example of someone who didn't stay in something because, oh yeah, I want kids and I want this and I want that. And this person is here and maybe this is easier. Well, to me, that's not the case. And if it's not authentic, it's not what I want. And I actually think it's our life experiences that make us even more qualified for that um, because we we have all of this history. We have all of this experience. But it's, it's funny. As soon as that came out of your mouth, I was like, yep, I had the same thought about myself. But really, when I take a step back, it only made me a better coach. And all of the dating that we have done and are doing for ourselves only makes us better matchmakers. Like, I think one of the things that you and I love about this, um, and I know I'm speaking for you, but I think you'd agree, like we love picking up on people's energies and not everyone has an energy that's a match for each other. Not everyone has an energy match for me or for you, but we've become so adept at reading that energy. It's so much fun to say, well, you might not be for me, but I have quite a few people over here when we're doing interviews for our matchmaking clients, you know, all of that, that piece is really fun. And I think we've spent so much time exploring what's out there that we have this great experience to draw from when we're making our matches or when I'm coaching. Totally. I love it. So I'm going to send him this podcast when, when it's released. Uh, (laughs) He totally understood it. And I think it was just more of like playing the devil's advocate, but um, it definitely is an interesting conversation to bring up on the podcast, but Agreed. anyway, we are going to dive into a topic that I think some of you might have had experience with, and that is what I call the three-month phenomena. So I have myself experienced this. I have talked to our clients who have also experienced this in some cases, but basically what I am finding is that at around three months of dating somebody, talking, going out on dates, you know, maybe thinking about a future, just ends at three months. Someone shows their true colors. Something abrupt happens that just cancels those three months out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes people get ghosted after three months. Um, Sometimes they just turn into the... They show who they truly are and they just become this completely opposite, like very disturbing person. I don't know. I've, I've heard a lot about it from other people. I've experienced it myself with the last two people I dated. So Becky, I just want to hear your thoughts about the three month phenomena. Well, and I think there's no one diagnosis for the three-month phenomena. I think it can occur for a couple of different reasons. Um, A big one, and people who've listened to previous episodes know I'm such a huge fan of the book Attached, but I feel like if you are potentially dating an avoidant person, three months would be the time where, wow, it's starting to get a little serious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Feelings are starting to come out. We're starting to have deeper conversations, and my walls are starting to go up. I am not comfortable with this. This is not how I how I want to be. I'd rather keep you at arm's length. You're looking for something more. This is not what I want and I'm going to go. I think that is a I think that's one of the big things for mm. sure. Um, you know, I think on on some other levels, like you said, the 
the kind of idea of like true colors coming out three months is also a time period where depending on the type of communication and the amount of time you've spent within that three months, you're probably a little more comfortable with someone. So that idea of like true colors coming out certainly does make sense of someone relaxes a little bit and starts to show a little bit more of who they are. That's when, you know, maybe some of the shine comes off of someone and really I mean, that's the good thing when the shine comes off is when you start to build actual intimacy and not just that like attraction sort of lust phase of love and dating. Um, And so I think that some people are addicted to that lust, shiny new phase. And as soon as that goes away, instead of wanting to build that deeper um, matchmaker, Maria calls it like the agape love, like that deep, intimate partnership love versus just that sort of lustful thing. I think you need both in every relationship, but some people are just very addicted to that early stage. And as soon as that shine wears off the penny, it is boring. And that's when, that's when ghosting happens or that's when like, Oh, this is you're needy when it's like, no, we're in a relationship and I want to see you people, you know, call that needy and that's a deal breaker for them. But really that's, I really don't think there's, you know, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I love that perspective. Um, I knew you would have amazing feedback on that piece of it. I think too, you know, I asked a couple of people before we recorded this podcast episode, you know, if they've experienced something like this and if so, why they thought in their situation it happened. Two people actually, two two men that I talked to said that Sometimes if they're not entirely sure that, you know, this could be a long-term thing, they kind of say to, but they're into it. They kind of say to themselves, I'm going to give it around three months Mm. and kind of see which way I'm, which way I'm feeling over, over those three months, which definitely makes sense. I mean, I know I have a friend who is engaged now and she was not sure about her now fiance for like the first two months that they were together. She was just like, eh. I'll give it another shot. I'll give it another shot. I'll go on another date. And then obviously, you know, it turned out to be something really amazing. But I do think that plays a piece of it too. Around three months, it's like, you know, it's kind of going to make or break us. We're either going to like make this a thing or maybe not. Well, and it's interesting too. I think if you do a little bit of the work before you hit that point and even before you start dating someone, um, you know, I work with my clients nonstop on getting clear about what you want. Mm -hmm. And that's not like, I want a man who's six foot or like, I want a woman who cooks. It's like, what are the lifestyle things you are looking for? What are the things that you want to share with someone? How do you want to feel when you're around that person? Um, Those really, really important things that aren't something that you'd find swiping on a dating app, right? Or even that you might not know on a first date. Um, So really give yourself the picture of what you want. So when I hear like a man, and it could be a man or a woman, but in your example, a man saying like, oh, I'm not sure about this. I'm going to give it three months. My question back to him is, you know, I think you could probably save yourself the time if you knew more clearly what you were looking for Mm -hmm. and not drag this person along with you for three months. I think that kind of, it's a little bit unfair and certainly giving people a chance. Yes. But I think if you take the time to get a little bit introspective, you start to figure things out a little bit more quickly than that. And then there's a whole added layer in all of this with the physical intimacy part too. And 
what I'm about to say is in no way to shame anyone's choices. But I think when intimacy in that way comes into a relationship very early on, it can burn out a little fast because you sort of build your relationship and your time together based on that. And especially for women, that sets off chemicals in our brain that makes it very easy to overlook certain behaviors and overlook other things. And so again, like do you, as long as you're safe, if you like it, I love it. But if you're looking for a long-term relationship, kind of thinking through how far you go with someone before you emotionally, before you take that step into physical intimacy, I think is really important um, because you do need to build a foundation and keep a little bit clear, more of a clear head as you're assessing your time spent with someone about whether or not they are actually going to be a good partner for you. Yeah. I love that. So let me ask you if you do have a coaching client who comes to you, maybe they've gone on a few dates with somebody and it's, it's going well. Um, maybe they're not like 110% in it at this point, but it is going well. They do enjoy the time that they're spending with somebody. How long would you say to kind of give it to see if feelings and attraction grow? Because I've definitely been in situations where I was not super into somebody initially, but over time, just as friends, really like that attraction and that romantic, romantic connection happened. How, how long would you say to give somebody a shot? You know, I think I I hesitate to put a timestamp on it because everything is different. I think you want to find out certain things and it's going to take every relationship every relationship will have a different cadence as to when you see these things. Um, you know, how people behave in certain settings, how people are around their friends um, versus maybe like at a work thing or around your friends, you know, how do they handle a bad day? How do they handle a good day? How do they treat you in those situations when you're having a bad day or a good day? Um, you know, and then individually based on, you know, when I'm working with a client, I typically know after a couple of weeks when we work through what that list is of the things that they're looking for, we look at that list and we assess. So out of this list, what do you know so far about this person? What do you still need to know? What can we ask to get to these questions or what types of dates could we set up? Um, what could we do to get together to figure out how a person will respond in this situation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a really easy example is if someone wants a family and, you know, I, for the most part, I think this is such a common question. This does come out a little bit earlier, but say that's the thing that you need to know. It's like, oh, like things are going pretty well. You know, here's this gap of knowledge that I don't know. I would sit down with that person and say, okay, like let's brainstorm some ways you could ask that question in a way that you feel comfortable doing because it's a, it's a big ask and it's a deal breaker kind of thing. And, you know, I will never tell a client, this is the right decision. This is the wrong decision. But what I always say is like, you just need to effectively communicate and ask good questions and then take what you gain with that knowledge from them. And then you make your decisions from there. But, um, you know, a really great example of this too, I have a, a male client who was very interested in someone and was sort of letting her dictate the pace and was willing briefly in our conversation to sort of compromise, you know, he's looking for not necessarily marriage, but a long-term monogamous partnership. And she kind of wanted to be like a friends with benefits sort of thing and, and just like hang out and not really call it or define anything. And it's like, okay, well, now you have this information. You know this about this person. I'm not going to tell you at all what to do, but 
asking yourself, is this in alignment with your ultimate relationship goal? Mm. So that's, those are some examples. So it's less about the time spent and more about the information that you need to know to assess that person's long-term viability in your life. That's, that's great advice. So that leads me to two questions. I'll ask one and then let you answer and then I'll ask another. (laughs) You, you know, the last two relationships that I was talking about that lasted about exactly three months, I, it was a little bit different because they were kind of long distance. You know, both of them lived around an hour and a half away from me. So it's not like we could see each other super often or, you know, go on multiple dates in one week. But one thing that was common between the two of them was we dated for three months, but they never met any of my friends. Mm. Um, we never really had a group social setting to be part of together. Do you feel like that influences things? Like how, how soon after dating somebody and being like, okay, like, this is awesome. I love this. And like feeling like both of you are on the same page. Should you introduce them to your friends and kind of test out your, your compatibility in like group social situations or, you know, um, aside from just a one-on-one date? I honestly think that that can happen really early. As long as you preface with your friends, like I am dating this person, we are not yet, you know, like you've got to give them the download on, you know, this isn't like, maybe it's not your boyfriend yet. This is someone I'm seeing. I'm still kind of figuring out where it's going to go. I like him and I just want to kind of bring him around and see how he does and just make sure. Cause you know, there are, I have one client whose friends are just so overly involved in her life that like, we did a lot of work around helping her put up boundaries with them. And those were not the friends that she first brought her now person around because she knew how they would behave. So you kind of have to gauge your friends, but I think if your friends are not going to be over the top and like attack this person and they can be calm and have fun and have like a good low key gathering. I don't think any date is really too early, you know, even like even a second or third date, like if you've got something going on and you want to bring that person along, I think it's a really good gauge. And similarly, um, this is a lesson I learned the hard way in my last relationship is if they don't have close relationships with friends that they can reciprocate that with early on, to me, that's a bit of a red flag. You need to have a social circle outside of our relationship. Not no one person can be all things to any other one person. You, you have to have that network. Um, so I do, I don't think there's ever a time that's too early, as long as your friends know the deal and yeah. aren't going to scare that person away unintentionally yeah. or intentionally, I guess. <laughs> So that brings me to the second part of the question, because I do feel that in both of my instances, maybe if I had been a little bit more upfront from the beginning ish about some of my needs in terms of communication or really being upfront about exactly what I was looking for, that it could have saved me time in the long run. Um, What are your recommendations on that in terms of you know, having that conversation about like, this is what I'm expecting, or this is what I'm really looking for in a relationship. This is what is going to fill my needs in this relationship. You know, when can you have that conversation and when should you have that conversation? Well, I, I, it's a great question. And I, this isn't, I hope it's not a cop-out answer. I think it's multiple conversations. And I think you pepper that in 
early, even as early as, you know, date one, especially if you've never met before, it's like a dating app date one and you don't really have that basis. Really date one is to get to know each other and decide if you want to have a date two. Date two, I'd almost say the same thing. Those first few, keep it kind of light and fun, but you can still ask questions and find out, you know, do you have certain hobbies in common? Do you have certain values in common? Um, You know, that's where you can learn a little bit about families and future and and that kind of stuff without getting too heavy into it. I think date three on, you know, as you start to spend more time together, and this does shape up a little differently, I think, when you're long distance and you don't have as much time with each other face-to-face, but you can start peppering those things in. And it's a great example. um, That book attached talks about like Mirandizing your, your potential partner, like reading them their Miranda rights, like, like they're getting arrested, Um, but to make them successful. Right. So you kind of telling them, all right, like, Hey, you know, we've hung out a couple times now. I'm really starting to like you. Um, You know, I do get like a little bit of anxious in this phase, like it'd be really great if we could talk like text briefly once a day, or if we could talk, you know, on the phone once a day, or, or it could even be lighter than that. And just say, yeah, I love a good morning text or when they do something that speaks to that, that you really like, I really love when you do that, like feel free to do that every day. Um, And so you can pepper it in that way. And then I think once you get closer to the point where you're actually catching feelings, you, you know, you should be open about that. And if you're starting to have that discussion about having a long-term defined relationship. Um, Anything you haven't covered to that point would be a great time to say, you know, like not to get too, you know, you know, over the top about all of this, but like, this is important and I want to lay a good foundation. If we're going to decide to take the step, here are the things that I know I need to be successful and to feel loved and cared for. Amazing dating coaching advice from Becky. Um, I think that everything that we talked about on this episode can definitely help you guys conquer that three month phenomena. I'm I'm doing air quotes. Um, Because like I said, I feel like I'm not the only person who has, has experienced it. But I also think Becky just gave us a bunch of really great tools that we can use to make sure that we are kind of like nipping these issues in the bud, maybe within the first month of dating, you know, because three months is a long time and three months is a long time to invest in someone who just ghosts you. Um, Which is something I heard from a a client of ours and also I've experienced. So um, I think, you know, just being more proactive in my dating life and really like taking it by the horns can save me a lot of, what I feel has been wasted time. So um, yeah, I think, I think we should definitely, you know, continue this conversation on, on another podcast too, about, you know, people don't want to come off too, too needy or they don't want to come off as like rushing into deep conversations fast, but also like truly, if you're looking, if you're dating somebody who is truly looking for the same things you are, hopefully they'll kind of be on that same rhythm. And I love that you use that word. You literally segued so perfectly to the like kind of final thought I wanted to leave folks with is, is that to me, there is no such thing as too needy. And, you know, maybe there are some extreme cases of people that really do need to like take a look and, and have some therapy and, and look at what, what their needs are and what they're placing on someone else. But, you know, I keep referencing attached, but if you have a more anxious attachment style and you need a little bit more communication to feel valued, mm-hmm if you effectively communicate that and just say, I could really use this, like, I don't, I won't go into that bad place where I seem needy. If you just like 
if we can talk on the phone once a day for a couple, like a couple minutes, you know, that's not needy. That's communicating your needs. Everybody has needs and sometimes needs are negotiable. So as you're having that conversation, always asking back, well, this, I told you what I need. What do you need from me? What can I do for you? And if you're able to have that conversation with someone, that is a person with true long-term potential, because it's not going to matter what that need is. They're going to care enough about you to do it because really you're not asking uh, for a good morning text or a phone call once a day. That's not asking a lot. I love it. Let's just hang up. Just finish the podcast now. Press the end. <laughs> that was just like a perfect way to end this conversation. Um, it definitely cleared up some confusion I had about, you know, when to approach certain topics when you are dating someone that you truly like could potentially see a future with. So yeah, I, I, one. I feel like I need to say one more thing is, as you said that too, and this is something I say to clients all the time is that you can't mess something up that is meant for you by mm-hmm. communicating a need or effectively communicating something. So if you have all of this anxiety around sharing something that you need from a person and they, they ghost you or they walk away and can't do it, that is your answer. That person does not want to be your person. Right. You can't mess it up. If you like, you know, these, mis- they're not mistakes. Like you can't mess something up that's meant for you. Totally. And it hurts, but yeah. think about, you know, if you had stayed in that for six months, eight months, a, a year, year, five years, and it just crumbled because of you know, whatever that reason might be, but no, that's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's better to find out at three months or earlier um, than sticking along for a long ride. So thank you, Becky. And we are so excited to bring you some dating stories next week. Yes. I'm pumped about this. It's going to be juicy. Updates on the dates that Becky and I go on over the next couple days. Heat up. I love it. Well, thank you guys for listening. Like us and follow us on all of the things. All the uh, links to that will be in the show notes. Uh, Write a review for us, maybe a kind one on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And stay tuned next week for some juicy stories on Micropolitan Matchmakers. Thanks, guys.